Mighty God, send your Holy Spirit to speak peace, that the good news of this age may be proclaimed through your word, which stands forever. Amen. So, I see, uh, where's Jess? Jess, did we have to lock the door? We're turning people away down there? All right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so it could be that we have uh, lots of friends on Facebook this morning, and I hope that that's true. If there's any prayer requests, just uh, put those in, um, in uh, the comments, and we'll, the prayer team will get those later in the week. And, um, and for those of you here, it's just, uh, I don't know how many we have this morning, but um, it's a smaller crowd. And um, so let me just, I just want to share a couple things about Joseph and Mary this morning. Um, <clears throat> we're in Advent. It's a time of uh, sort of in-between. Um, we are expecting, we're waiting, there's joy, there's anticipation, uh, but there's also reflection and a uh, reminder um, that we all need to turn to God. I mean, there's a reason Jesus came, right? And we are part of the reason um, for deliverance. Um, last week I ended with uh, a parable I'd, writ- I'd read in a, some theological uh, book that I'd read recently. And um, it sounds very familiar to a number of parables that we run across Jesus speaking. And so it goes something like this. Uh, There's this island that was created by a very benevolent king and ruler. Um, And it it was just a perfect place. And everyone got along. And everyone was open and honest with one another. And there was a thriving economy. The politics all worked very well. Um, There were people who were not marginalized. Um, It was a beautiful, beautiful place, a beautiful island. And so the ruler entrusted this island and the care and the running of it uh, to some people and went on a trip and came back. And in between, um, people started getting jealous, people started getting envious, people started getting greedy. um, And the good uh, working of this island began to break down. And it was marked more by greed and selfishness. And people were marginalized and... um, People were playing that political game where they were just out for uh, themselves. And it turned into a place that did not reflect uh, the original intent at all. And so word uh, got out uh, by some ambassadors that showed up, said that the the king is coming back. He's going to return. And so um, things were going to change back to uh, what they were meant to be. And so... Uh, for example, you know, people were going to have to start speaking kindly to one another once this king came back and restored his rule. Um, we're gonna, the place was going to be marked by generosity, um, looking out for one another, another and giving to each other sacrificially. There's going to be a place marked by forgiveness that when we are wronged, that we extend forgiveness always uh, to others. And so um, the response was interesting. Most of the people just didn't want that. They didn't want it. And so they left. So we don't want any part of that. Um, we want to chase our own dreams uh, that are kind of focused on ourselves and, 
indulge and all that. And they, and they said, if this is what it's going to look like, we're going to leave. Um, some really liked the idea of that change and stayed on, uh, but quietly and secretly tried to hold on to their own ways, tried to look after themselves. Um, it was something that seemed like they wanted, but they just weren't willing to give up what was needed. Uh, some were going to stay and just try to hold on to what they had and openly resist the ruler. And so for those two groups that stayed, uh, there is a third group, we'll get to that in a second, but for those other groups there, uh, living on this island was going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. If the island is marked by generosity and we are selfish, it's going to be difficult to navigate living on this island. If the island is characterized by uh, building one another up with our words, tearing people down with our words was going to be difficult living for them. It was going to be hard. Um, and so they were, there was a challenge there. Finally, there was a group of people that stayed on that island, didn't really like the changes that had taken place, and were eagerly awaiting for this king to return and really preparing for what it would look like when the king did return. So obviously, it's, you know, it's easy to see um, how this relates to Advent. Um, and what's interesting about parables and uh, a lot of Jesus' teaching is that when we hear them, we place ourselves in the camp of the people who are ready. <laughs> we place ourselves as those who are uh, going to live into that. We are the ones with the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And uh, we are the ones that cross the road for the Good Samaritan. We are the ones that uh, uh, come home to the prodigal son. Uh, but the point of those parables is to really uh, get us to reevaluate who we are in the story. That's the point of those. I'm sure there are a lot of people where we read these, these uh, parables of Jesus in the Gospels, and it, from a third party, it looks like, wow, he's really clearly speaking to that group. And my guess is that there are plenty of people in that group who think he can't be speaking about me. And so there is a, there's an opportunity to kind of stop, put things on hold, and reflect on the point of the teaching, on the parable, on the stories. And then to respond appropriately, to reflect and respond. And that is part, that's a large part of what Advent is all about. We enter back into the story of Israel waiting for her Savior. And we want to listen and read and reflect on the message and, and pause long enough to say, you know, how do I respond to this? Who am I in this parable? Am I really hearing what's being taught? And am I willing to make the changes um, to get ready for this rule? And so when the Christ child is born, it's a signal that the kingdom is coming back. And with his resurrection, we have the first fruits of that kingdom and that promise of life. And then the disciples go out and say, just like at the beginning of the, of the story where the, the, the announcers come back and say the king is returning, the, the go out and make disciples is that announcement that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Lord. 
And there is a new kingdom. And it's not only in the future, it's here now. It's a reality. And so as we enter into uh, uh, this time of Advent, and we think about Mary and Joseph, we have an incredible example there of this idea of reflect and respond. To take pause and see where we're at, check in with God, and see how we are responding to his kingdom. I had a day yesterday where we didn't, because of that storm, we just didn't really have a lot going on. And I was kind of in a funk. I mean, there was nothing bad about the day, but it was a very introspective time. And I thought, this is a real gift. This is what I need to do. You know, I kind of was fighting it for a while, trying to find things to do. And I realized I just need to sit down and think about what's going on in my heart. As John was saying in his, his prayer, that response, and it's saying, where, where am I at? So we start with Mary, and we're going to look at both of these stories very quickly. Um, we go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. So it's interesting, because he has to say where it is, right? So that's a clue. I don't think if it was Jerusalem, they'd have to explain it, right? Sent an angel to Gabriel. God sent an angel to Nazareth, which, by the way, is a village in Galilee because it's a backwater town. It's very small. It's, you know, when you look at a map, like a MapQuest or, or uh, Google Maps, and you gotta, like, you're trying to see what that town is, that road is, and you've got to keep <laughs> expanding it, zooming in until the road Sign shows up. That's what Nazareth is like. To a virgin named Mary, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So that needs to be mentioned as well, because it's not obvious. He's like 32nd cousin, 14th removed, or something like that. You know, um, Probably meeting Joseph, we wouldn't know that he is a descendant of King David. In fact, if that was so knowable, I don't think that he'd be in Nazareth. You know, He'd be doing something... Uh, that would seem a bit more important. But he's doing very important things here. Gabriel announced to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And you read that and you think, oh, this is good stuff, right? But, you know, there's, there's a catch here. Um, this is what happens with angels. You know, there's a pattern to it. There's sort of the angel appears, there's fear, there's good news, there's doubt, there's a sign, and there's finally a response. And so we move on uh, to verse 29. It says, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. The angel says, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now this is good news for Israel. This is what they have been waiting for. And this is very political. This isn't Democrat political. It's not uh, Republican political. It's just very political in the sense that there's... Uh, you know, the Roman Empire rules over the area. There is a Caesar. 
And you would not really, if you were smart, dare to oppose the Caesar. And, uh, but here we have this news that there will be a new king. His kingdom will never end. He will always be on the throne. And you would think that there's some really good news here. Now, it, what's interesting about this is he hasn't mentioned... I mean, you could read this and think that you will have a son, like with Joseph. Um, but apparently she, she gets the idea, you know, and, 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 and because... Her next question is, you know, how can that happen, right? So here's the catch, right? You know, what's the catch? Because, you know, I have, I'm not married. I'm a virgin. I can't. How am I going to have this child? She has a question. How is this going to happen? She's looking for information. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. Be set apart. And he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative, Elizabeth, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Or, as many uh, translations put it, all things are possible. There's a sign. Look at Elizabeth. And I, I love this picture of this, uh, the power of God and the Spirit, because it says the Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow her. There, there's this sense that she will be empowered from within. She will have that strength to do this. And she will be surrounded by God's power. Power from within and power from without. Enabling us to do things that we thought unthinkable. <clears throat> now, we have the, the virgin birth here. And I think I, I fall into this way of thinking sometimes that, well, in the ancient world, they didn't have science, right? Science. Modern science, the way we understand it, is probably five or six hundred years old. And that, even that starts with this exploration of God's creation, where you're breaking apart and cutting open and dissecting the world around us to understand God. And now it's come to a point where science can undermine faith. And I think that sometimes we approach this and we think that, um, well, in the ancient world, uh, they were a bit naive and they would believe these sort of things. Okay? Listen, they understood how babies were made in the ancient world. They got that. They understood that. Um, that was no secret. And so this idea that she's going to conceive uh, while not having a husband, or not being with her husband, um, is going to be a leap of faith, even for people in the ancient world. When people make that claim, they're trying to cover something up. <laughs> Either there's something dubious going on, there's some sort of scandal. And so for Mary, we all know this, this is very complicated. This is very complicated. And so even as we get into this time of year where we are reflecting and responding, it's complicated. It's okay. It's okay. These parables, even the one that was made up here, they, they come off as very simple. 
But the life of faith is complicated. This isn't a parable. This is Mary. It comes from Mara in Hebrew, which means bitter, actually. <clears throat> the road ahead is going to be difficult for her. It's complicated. As we approach Christmas, as we get into this time of the big three, right? Uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. And there's lots of relatives and family. That can bring up, stir up things, issues for us. That we think every time I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to get together with this person, it goes sour. You know, this relative that we only see during the holidays. It's complicated. It's okay. But that's part of the importance of us taking this time where we just kind of slow down and say, all right, I need to reflect on this. I need to reflect on Jesus' kingdom, the coming kingdom, and there's an excitement there. There's a joy there. There's an anticipation there. But it's not always going to be simple. It's not going to be simple. It's not going to be simple for Mary. It's not going to be simple for Joseph either. And then we have her response. I love this. This is the response of someone who is reflecting. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Now, I don't think that Mary is a passive figure by any stretch. But the way this is worded is very reflective. It's very passive. God is doing something. God is up to something. And there is a recognition that God is God and I am not. I hear my friend Wendy say that all the time. I love that statement. There's a, there's, a, there's a recognition of that, that something is happening, and I am a part of this. Let it be to me. Now, we don't see it here, but you see it, I don't know, like four or five times in the book of Luke, where it says of Mary, she treasured these things in her heart. She is pictured as someone who is a very deep thinker and reflects. And in that way, Mary helps lead us to Bethlehem to understand what Advent is all about. I'm going to slow down and think about this. Then we get to Matthew. Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So Joseph is reflecting on uh, the law, the fifth book of Moses, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 22, verse 23 to 24. When the betrothed is found to be pregnant ahead of the marriage, there's things that you do. I'm not going to read that. It seems pretty rough. But Joseph wants to extend grace and mercy as, as much as he's able. And I think that sometimes we look at this and we think, he's so hurt, and maybe he is hurt, and probably is hurt. But I think what we're seeing here is that Joseph is very devoted to God. He's righteous. He's devoted to God. This thing has occurred, and he's trying to figure out what is the God way to deal with this? Right? He wants to follow God's law, 
but he also wants to be very gracious and not make a big deal about it for Mary's sake. And so what's interesting about Joseph is he, he almost seems more devoted to God than to Mary. Um, so what we're seeing is his devotion. Like he doesn't want to, he, he wants to follow God and he's going to do the things. He's going to respond in a way that he knows um, how to do according to his faith. <clears throat> So rather than, uh, he's looking to annul his marriage, basically. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. I love that, because it doesn't say just take Mary. It says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know this is complicated. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. Amen. Yeah. So it's interesting, because Joseph, looking to annul his marriage, has his plans annulled. <laughs> With the first words being, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know that it's complicated. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right? And this refers to their situation as a nation. There's a sense they are there. The temple is built. They worship. They go through the motions. But there's a sense that God is not with us. They are still waiting for this return from exile, still anticipating Anticipate's a good word, right? So if you anticipate snow the night before, you grab a scraper. If you anticipate rain, what do you grab before you go walk outside? Raincoat. In other words, anticipation uh, refers to this thing where you, you are looking forward to something, but there's an action that's taken to prepare for it. We anticipate when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel commanded and took Mary as his wife. He did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now, we only get one of these here, where Joseph follows the command of the angel. But it happens like three times in the whole story. And so Joseph is this reflection of, Anticipation. What do you do? How do you respond when God is on the way? When the king is going to return? When the kingdom will be restored? How do we respond? And it reflects Advent. It's a time of anticipation, which means we respond in some way. And so as we look at Joseph and Mary, we are challenged to reflect and respond. Um, <clears throat> the king loves his island and he loves his people. God loves his people. God loves his people. God loves us. And if we miss the love part, we're going to miss Christmas. <laughs> we're going to miss it. Because 
It's just going to look like rules. It's like, all right, God's got rules we've got to follow. Joseph, that's not the picture that we get with Joseph. The picture is love. He loves God. And so when this complicated situation comes up, he's trying to think about how can I love Mary and love God and deal with this? The angel says, do not be afraid. When God takes the initiative, right, it's always about love. Love which cares and takes us up into his purposes. I mean, think about this. We worship a miraculously conceived baby born under dubious circumstances from appearances to a very ordinary couple from some backwater town under the occupation of one of the most powerful empires on the face of the earth and call him Lord. It's incredible. It's incredible. But when Jesus comes in with love, when God comes in with love, when he gives us his his son and puts him into our care. Now, how does Jesus do that? How does he go to the cross? It's because of love. It's because of love. And that kind of love, it scares us. It frightens us. It's so immense. It's so powerful that we seem dwarfed by it. We seem overpowered by it. But at the same time, we're a bit scared to live into it because we're scared of what we'll be able to do. I think we're scared of God's power working through us. That kind of love is so easy to back away from and to turn to other things or to just leave the island and say, I'm not up for that. We're trying to pretend. And Advent is about that time where we reflect on the power of God's love coming to us and our response to that love and following. So maybe we're at a time right now where we're feeling the sovereignty of God. And our response is, let it be to me. God seems to be doing this thing and I'm caught up in it. I'm going to trust and go with it. Maybe we're in a time right now where God is saying, it's complicated. Don't be afraid. Do this. Maybe that's the season we're in. Maybe we're in both. That is what Advent is about. That preparation, anticipation, which means there's a response or something we do to get ready for it. So that's our, I don't know, meditation. That's our, the, the Holy Family leads us to Bethlehem. And I pray that for us, for North Harbor, this is a season where we truly are reflecting and we truly are responding. And we have eyes to see and we have ears to hear. And our hearts are open to God's leading. So we'll get the band back up here. And we'll continue with our Advent song.